Jim Shoemaker, Jason Harrington, Jacob Norman, and Scott Jordan are investment advisor representatives offering advisory services through Satera Investment Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through Satera Advisor Networks. Member FENRA, SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership from any other named entity. Shoemaker Financial is located at 2176 West Street, Suite 110, Germantown, Tennessee. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. Welcome to today's program. Got a great lineup for you. You've got Scott Jordan here, Jacob Norman, and Jason Harrington. They're going to all answer questions and give you some great insight into getting financially fit for 2024. That's what we're going to spend some time today. Scott, I want to start with you because there's just a lot about this question that I think is um, a question that I think we should be answer, should have been started answering about a month ago. But I think what Nick is saying is I've I'm, I'm gotten a little out of sync and I want to make sure I'm all doing what I'm supposed to do. I know he actually says tax lost harvesting. Now that we know what that means. And obviously he's an experienced investor. So Give us some insight. What is tax loss har- harvesting and what should Nick be doing? That's a great question. And, you know, when we have volatile years, especially like last year, rough year in the bond market, uh, never a fun time. But there could be a silver lining in it in that there could be opportunities to do some tax loss harvesting like the questioner talked about. All that really is, is you're, you're, you're selling an investment that you have a higher cost basis in than it's worth now. For example, let's say you pay $10,000 for a share of a bond fund or, or any kind of investment last year, and now it's worth eight. There may be some opportunities to go ahead and sell that investment, realize that loss, and use that to offset any capital gains that you have for this year. Or you can use a portion of that, $3,000, to offset ordinary income. So it could provide a good opportunity to do that. So you're looking at all the investments that you have, and you're trying to decide, this is one that I have a gain in, this is the one I have a loss in. And you're saying that they should go through that process and calculate that before they just start doing it. Absolutely. And, and there are some rules around that, uh, not to get too technical, but there, you know, the IRS has what they call the wash sale rule in that you can't have bought the investment within 30 days of the day that you turn around and sell it. And you can't rebuy it for 30 days after you sell it. So it's kind of a 60 day window there, 30 days before, 30 days after. So a lot of times what you will want to do in these types of situations, um, let's say it's a single stock. Maybe you, you sell out of that single stock, but you don't want to be out of the market for a month. So you might buy either a a highly correlated single stock that's kind of in the same industry, or you may buy, say, an index or something that might closely resemble the the investment that you're selling in order to not be out of the market. Uh, or maybe you're just, you're okay with, with selling out of that investment, buying a different investment that you want to hold for a longer period of time. But and that's the wash rule. That is the wash rule. The wash rule is that 30-day rule. Remember, it's 30 days before or 30 days after that you can I think that's can't. important for Nick yep. to keep that in mind as he's going through this process 
And, of course, we'll always tell you that uh, tax and legal advice for your own personal, you know, comprehensive review of your personal situation, always consult your tax and legal advisor. Neither Satera Advisor Networks nor any of its representatives may give legal or tax advice. So we're not giving you legal or tax advice. We're answering Nick's question about tax loss harvesting. And, you know, the, the, I thought the think the mindset is that sometimes because the market has been volatile, right. you may have some real, a lot of opportunities. Yeah, yeah. A lot of opportunities. You know, one place to look is to look at any of your statements. There's there's usually a column on there called unrealized gains and losses. So if you see a negative in that column, there may be an opportunity there. That's a great point. Guys, I want to kind of move to another subject. Thanks, Nick, for your question. And remind you, if you got questions for us, just simply send it to Jim, J-I-M, at the text line, 901-683-0989. We'll get your questions on, but uh, never hesitate to do that. And it's any question, if it's too hard, we'll get Jason to answer it. How about that? There we go. All right. There we go. All right, Jason, and, and and we've got Jacob Norman with us. Now, guys, when we were in the kind of in the production room thinking through what we were going to talk about today, I, I appreciated the fact that we got into a discussion about what we're buying for Christmas and how we're buying for our spouses. The fear. The uh, the f- f- what we were discussing okay, was I- the fear of what we were buying. Oh, <laughs> I mean, guys, come on now. When you say, you know, come on, I, I need an explanation. I was telling you that my spouse, my Linda, Miss Linda, she's a... Phenomenal, easy person to buy. She usually tells me what she wants, but you guys don't have the problem I have. Her birthday is the 24th of <laughs> yeah, December. That's, yeah, that's, that's awesome. tough. That's, you know, you got to realize I got a plan for a birthday, you know, because by the way, 24th of December is her birthday. We celebrate it on the 20th. There's never been a There's combination no of Christmas the two. I was say, we can't just do a two oh, for one. No, no? no that, would, uh, that would cost me a bad uh, year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, what I think difficult. is funny is we're on a show called Talk Money, but we're talking about a different kind of money. Well, no, right? this yeah. is real money. <laughs> yeah. This Look, is how you have to go I've through I've been it. with my wife either dating or married for over 30 years and i have no idea what to get her for christmas (laughs) i mean that's that's true confession yeah that's uh i am i need help i need help (laughs) well you know with miss linda it was so easy because she was into woodworking so all i had to do was buy a saw a planer or sander or something and i could do that until i had no room you know know, can you imagine jason no i cannot imagine that (laughs) i'm gonna try i'm gonna try to get my wife a circular saw this christmas and see what (laughs) she says (laughs) i may cut my legs off with it you know i have to i have when she's out there working on the window woodworking shop i do come out and check her hands make sure there's 10 yeah, fingers, right. right. That's right. But <laughs> while we're on woodworking, Lauren, if you're listening to this radio show, I want to I want a miter saw. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. All right, Lauren. You you know just hey, this is what she you know Jacob's got his ideas around him. Yeah, a the head has been dropped. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right, guys. But here's a question for you because I think it's important. Gifts for Christmas create sometimes debt. And I want to come up with some rules that we need to kind of share with some people that would help them understand how do you manage through this process? I mean, you know, we've, we've kind of say to people, before you buy something, think about it. So, you know, start, Scott, what is that first rule that you think about? Well, I think, you know, anytime you're borrowing money, you need to really pause and consider whether this is something that really needs to happen. Because I always say debt always mortgages your future. It always kind of puts you in a sentence of a lower lifestyle in the future. If you, if you haven't really thought this through, 
You know, it's one of our five principles. You know, we always say spend less than you earn. Number two is avoid the use of debt. And I think that's a good rule to live by. Now, we all have probably at one time or another borrowed money, but I think the first rule that I would say is you just have to use common sense. You know, realize that you're you're making a presumption on the future that you're going to have the cash flow to pay this debt back. There's there's usually or always has been for me some interest involved. Uh, so you're paying back at a greater rate and you basically have to earn money, pay taxes on that money, and then then pay your interest and principal back. So it's, it's something that you don't go into lightly. Use common sense. Uh, ideally, you know, if it's a good debt, the, the return on whatever you're buying is greater than what it's costing you to borrow that money. You know, when you talk about the cost, Larry Burkett, which was a dear friend of mine and counselor to me and really mentored me a lot about just finances and biblical principles, but I, I'm going to give him credit for this because I think this is his statement. Paying interest, and you're talking about the cost, is the privilege of borrowing money. Uh, you know, of renting money. He used to renting say renting money. money. I like that. That's and a good I, way to I look at it. I think that's a good way to think through Because it's not process. yours. No, it's not. <laughs> you're <laughs> just renting it and you'll pay back. <laughs> you got to pay it back. And I think people, when you talk about common sense, and you know, guys, when you're, we're back to buy gifts, uh, common sense with gifts, and sometimes we maybe get a little extravagant. We, we try, or maybe when we were, I mean, you guys were talking about you've been married, as you said, you know, dating and married 30 some odd years. Well, when y'all catch up with me, you know, that's a whole nother world. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, Miss Linda and I have always kind of had the agreement that we don't mind kind of sharing what we would like. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean there's an obligation to it. But when it wasn't a saw, by the way, I was buying jewelry. And, you know, I'd buy a necklace or this or that. And, you know, that's no longer important to her. I mean, you know, at all. And yet. You're saying yet, her taste changed? Well, no. It, I mean, I was headed somewhere. <laughs> all of a sudden, she's come to me and, and she said, have you noticed these little cross earrings? And I said, they're really nice. She said, well, there's not anything in them except glass. And I got it immediately what oh, she was saying. Right. Now, see, I need some hints like <laughs> well, that. Yeah. As soon as she said it, I thought, done. And I, you know, we've got a friend that's a jeweler. And so I, you know, I said, here's what I want. Here's a picture of it. And I'll pick it up sometime in it. One's for Christmas. And the other yeah. one's for... <laughs> does does she listen? Count. Does she no, listen to the show? She's not, she not listening today. I hope not. Jim, I, I've had a recent client experience. I think it fits really, really well with this dialogue right now uh, about how we perceive debt, how we take on debt, and, all, and so, so forth. So I had a client who had reached a major financial milestone. They had been retired, and they had their, had their heart set on buying an RV. And boy, did he buy an RV. $200,000 RV. This thing is loaded, Right. And so the the quoted interest rate he receives like nine point two five, and he calls me Jacob. They're, they're killing me out here. Like what? Like I want to liquidate my investment account. I want to pay off this RV in full. I'm not paying nine point two five percent interest. And he was viewing it from the lens of if I'm earning seven, eight, whatever that return is, and I'm spending nine, I'm losing money. Well, what we didn't take into consideration is the value of that asset in five years. And a luxury is not an asset. The, I, I pulled up the average depreciation of an RV. Anybody want to take a guess? No, but I guarantee you it'll scare you. It's 38%. Yeah. Wow. 38%. Per year. So I'm like, I'm like, client, if you get tired of this RV in, say, four years, you don't want this toy anymore, and you've liquidated your entire portfolio to not pay 9.25% interest, you don't have $200,000 anymore. No. 
That's a good point. So the loan allows you the ability to maintain some control over what your assets are going to be worth in five years. So sometimes it's worth it to spend a little money. And I'm not saying, and obviously this is a luxury item. Not everybody's going to blow out and buy this. But to think about it through different channels than just what am I spending versus what am I making? I think that's a great point. What is it going to look like in five years? Yeah, Jacob, I think that was number two. We talked about a guaranteed way, just as far as the rules are concerned, a guaranteed way to repay. And so he's got money in his investment plan or savings plan to guarantee that payment should something happen and he needs to. But you don't always have to execute that. And if he still likes the toy... Then we'll refinance if the opportunity comes up. We have, we don't want to make a decision today that kills any options we may have in the future. We want to have, we always want doors to open. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I'll make sure that, you know, if he's listening, you're, you're Mr. Client there. Um, RVs or I wanna, should we call them toys? Oh, all? they are one thousand percent toys. <laughs> <laughs> I got some people that tread I know lightly. that yeah. might not call it a toy, but uh, you know, I got you. I understand because it is a depreciating item, and cars are depreciating items, and so right. be sure what you're buying. You know, that you take into consideration using common sense about around what is depreciating, what is appreciating. Well, and, and if we were talking about a $45,000 vehicle, I mean, conversation may look a little different. I mean, we may be taking a little bit more of a down payment there, but we're talking about 200000 versus 50000 that's a lot. You know, I wonder, you know, you did a great job, Jacob, of sharing with him what that depreciation schedule would look like. I wonder how many times did he think about that. So back to common sense, you know, do you think about the depreciating factor and have a debt? And it doesn't take very long with that much depreciation that you're out of out of whack. I can remember a client that bought a Cadillac and bought it in, you know, yeah, in, did. That's in awesome. Memphis. <laughs> and, uh, it was, you know, he, he was all excited about it. And, you know, and I, and I, you know, I talked about with him, I said, depreciation, just understand that. No problem. He got in the car. He was headed to Little Rock because he was going to a meeting or something. So, oh, I don't like where this is going. Well, it did. It, 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 you know, he gets to he gets over to about Crawley's Ridge and pulled into the rest area and bumped into something and messed his car up. Yes. Okay. And uh, well, you know, so so it's a twenty thousand dollar car back then, and b- bumped it, and you know now he's got to go. Well, the appreciation of it, he could, you know, he it was he was out of sync already, and he hadn't had the car two hours. Yeah. Right. Just because yeah, right. it now had been driven off that, the lot and yes. was a. Used, used car. car that, that's that's a day that makes you feel sick to your stomach. I mean, that's just what that is. So, all right, we're talking about you know some rules on borrowing. Number one, common sense. Number two, guaranteed way to repay. What's number three, Scott? I think you need to have peace of mind around borrowing the money, and that goes with really weighing out. I like I like Jacob's example where you're thinking a little deeper into this and really considering whether this is something I need. Or is this just a want or desire that it'd be great to have? But uh, am I putting myself in jeopardy by going into debt? Um, now, again, going back to your guaranteed way to repay, I think you know if you if you have peace of mind, you have a guaranteed way to repay the debt, and you and your spouse are are in agreement on it. I think that's another key part of so that. So would that if be it's rule a, number four? 
I think so. Okay. It may be rule number one. (laughs) (laughs) Start with that one. Yes. We know, we know how fun money troubles can, can make marriages. So, uh, I think, yes, you really have to, to think about, okay, why am I going into this debt? Is there another way to get this item or another way to get what I need? I'm going back to that need word, not necessarily want and desire. Uh, I may not need that $200,000, uh, RV. Now, if that's something I want, I've worked hard to get it, that's fine. But, you know, am I putting my myself, my, my spouse, my family in jeopardy by this decision to go into debt? Because let's consider the RV example. I've borrowed $200,000 on this RV. It's depreciating at an enormous rate, like Jacob said, and now something goes wrong. Now, I've got insurance on it, but what are they going to pay? Are they going to pay that entire debt off if that thing got totaled out? Maybe not. I know that from cars I've had totaled. Yeah. You may be surprised at what you get. Now, luckily, I didn't have any debt on those cars when they got totaled. But if I had, there could have been a situation where now I'm upside down. They're not even paying me what that's worth. I'm having to come out of pocket to make up the difference. I've been in that total car. Yep. Don't get the replacement value. Exactly. And I do think, too, with your principle number three, the your gut can be one of your best guides. It can. When you're, you know, listen to that. When, you know, for those who are out there listening, a lot of times math, you know, can go out the window and you can just listen to your gut and let it be a really good guide for you. Well, Well, the crazy thing about math, though, is I've seen math get spun to justification. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. You can do a lot of pluses and minuses. (laughs) Oh, what do they say? Uh, People use numbers. Numbers don't lie, but liars use numbers or something like that. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good point, Jacob. Well, and, and Scott touched on something, and I think this is, I keep trying to look at every current economic situation we're in and trying to find the positives out of it, right? And 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 a lot of negative sentiment is getting attributed to the higher or the raising interest rates. And what I appreciate the most about our current interest rate environment, outside of the fact that, you know, bonds and CDs and everything earn a little bit more money, is you have to apply thought before you borrow money in today's current environment. And you should. I, I think it's it's economically healthy for our buying people to have to have a sincere, conscientious thought about borrowing money in the environments I've experienced as an adult in low interest rate environments, it's less of a thought to borrow money. So you're talking about the fact that we've got higher rates now. Mr. Powell's raised the rate to a point where we're talking about, as you said, your your client, 9% on an RV or 7% or you know whatever it's going to be for a car or something. That should make you think more before you buy. Yeah, if if 3% is the interest rate attributed to that loan, he's not calling me as frustrated or as concerned, right? He's just buying the RV. I don't oh, even gotcha. get the phone call. Now all of a sudden I'm getting these calls and and what's what's wild is this, this man is in his 60s. He has lived through many interest rate fluctuations, but he's feeling the now pressure even though he bought his first home at a 14% interest rate. I don't know that for certain, but, but I know I'm if, sure that's close. if yeah. he bought it in the early to mid-80s, that's what it was. Yeah. And so he has this recency bias of these interest rates are high. And it's like, no, these interest rates are really normal. Well, that's a good point. I think that that is well said, Jacob, well presented too, because people have to think about it. And, and if sometimes maybe the higher rate is going to make them pause, think through it. Is this a good, and it goes back to the rules, common sense, back to that. And then the idea behind common sense, you look at that, is there a guaranteed way to pay? Do I have peace of mind about it? 
And and I think Scott nailed it, and one of you guys did. Whether it's you know unity, do I agree? My spouse and I work together. Are we thinking the same way? Or has she, Miss Linda, said I don't think so? And there's been tons of times in our 50 year marriage that she said I don't think I feel quite so good about this. That's a red light. That's a, stop. Yeah, I need to listen a, to that. Yes, Absolutely. listen to that. There's something gift God gifted the ladies to have a better insight sometimes than we do. I have a tendency to go hunting. I go hunt, and I find it, and I say, that's it. That's, that's what I want. I want. And that's done. And she backs up and says, whoa, time out, big boy. You know, <laughs> slow down a little bit. Yeah, no, I love how you said I go. I am that way as well. Once I get my crosshairs on something, oh, yeah. I am going headstrong first. And my All wife right. is an amazing, has amazing intuition on that. Well, I got to ask Tyler before we take a break. Tyler, what are you Uh-oh. buying for Christmas for your lovely lady? Whoa. Oh, I was going to oh, ship it on, on the struggle. The oh, on the spot. Come on. <laughs> right, go ahead. She may I was going to ship it on the struggle. Okay, no, go but, the, the struggle. but the great thing is, and this is what actually uh, I've learned from my nieces and nephews too, and is my sister-in-law's plural are grateful enough uh, into doing this. They just give us an Amazon list and they say, hey, here, click this, click that, click that. And then when you when those things are bought off the list, they can see that they are bought off the list and they disappear from the potential buyer's options for buying those gifts. So I think if we all did that for each other, it sounds, I know it sounds Amen. a little, I, I mean, like a little bit of like an exercise, but if we did that for each other and said, hey, throughout the year, I'm just going to have a list that says Christmas on it. You're going to have an Amazon list that says Christmas on it. Don't use Amazon. Use something else if you want to, but just have a list and you say, here are the links, and once each link has been been purchased or taken care of, cut it out. Wow, that's that's I, quick. good advice. That. Good advice. Good yeah, advice. I like it. Tyler comes through the, with a home run. Yes. Stay with us when we come back. We're going to dive into some questions and really help you understand some tips to how to get financially fit. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. The views depicted in this material are for information purposes only and are not necessarily those of Cetera Advisor Networks. They should not be considered specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Helping you make the most of your money. Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guests, Jason Harrington, Jacob Norman, and Scott Jordan. And, of course, we have Tyler Springs, our producer. He's also involved in a lot of discussion because we're talking about Christmas. We're talking about gifts, peace of mind, and consulting with your spouse. And, um, Tyler, you really kind of threw it at us there at the end. I mean, you had a great plan about Christmas and how your family does it. Walk us through that one more time and just uh, pros and cons. Well, the simple thing is especially when you're buying for younger kids. Uh, My two sisters-in-laws have come up with a great idea, and maybe it wasn't their original idea, but they put their kids' wishes on Amazon lists, and they just send the Amazon list out to all the relatives and say, hey, here's the list for boy name, girl name, whatever it is. And as soon as you purchase that item off the list, it sends them a notification that the item has been purchased and it doesn't allow that item to be purchased by anybody else from that list. So you get to eventually get down to where the inventory gets to be either, you know, two or three gifts. Then you know that that kid has mostly been bought for. I think something we could also do as adults, it seems like a little bit of an exercise, but it does help. And for those of us who are not as imaginative and who worry about getting the right thing or the wrong thing, it helps when you get to say, hey, I want this in black, I want this in a medium, and I want the, the $20 version, not the, the $40 version. Uh, you know, that sounds Man. pretty good. I mean, I think, Jacob, you mentioned it. You know, that's a great idea that Tyler's talking about. 
but I like the idea of the envelope in the tree. Yes. yes. With my name on it. Yes. <laughs> and what's crazy is like everybody, ha- I would say everybody, but a lot of people have that experience of knowing what that envelope in the tree means. Yes, sir. And expecting that envelope in the tree. Like, I mean, and, we and want to see we're looking that it's for bigger that. than last year. <laughs> yeah, we're looking know? for that envelope. Like, where's that ornament? <laughs> but now I wonder, and this is me making a generalization, so take it with a grain of salt, but kids, and I'm, by kids I mean people who are younger than I am, are growing up in a cashless society, and they see even less than that. So there's the special oh, element where you can you can get oh, an envelope and you're like, yeah, oh, wow, what, this is a that, true... This is a dollar? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. But there's also the other element of... I'd just rather have something that was bought for me or I'd rather have the plastic of a gift card because I don't have to take care of that quite so carefully because a $100 bill, look, anybody can get a hold of it, right? Now, if, if kids are not used to putting money in the bank every day or every week when they get an allowance, then they're not as used to having cash and they can't go places where if it's if it's you know a cash-free establishment they can't use that money. that's a good point too i think you get the piggy bank your piggy bank and you say here's your piggy bank here's the cash put it in your piggy bank i you don't know that's that's an old school i'm thought. still trying to get oh, my guys to understand to understand that the <laughs> debit <laughs> money debit card money yeah it's not free money it's not free when you use your debit card exactly all right guys Guys, great conversation. You know, we probably have messed up our Christmas for everybody because, uh, you know, I know Miss Linda probably is listening, so I got to be careful what we say. I know that's just part of it. We hope it's been fun, y'all, listening to us. But here's the stuff we really want to talk about something that's extremely important this time of year. And I, I really want Jason to kind of help us out, all of us kind of get into this conversation. And Jason, when you when you say get financially fit, how do we couch that? Where are you, where are you headed with that? Well, I'm headed toward, you know, the reality is this time of year, everybody is either thinking one of two things, it's been a great year or man, I'm ready for this year to be, to be done. And, and either side of the table you're on, you are starting to think about the reality that in just a few short weeks, we're going to be into 2024 or into the next year. And you start setting, you know, ideas and objectives of where you want to go. And ultimately the two most frequent resolutions, if you will, or goals for a new year will be something in health and fitness or your finances. And so the the idea around getting financially fit is getting healthy, if you will, will uh, with your finances and putting yourself on a path to start accomplishing some of these short-term and long-term financial so goals. So where do you start? I mean, I mean, this is the thing. A lot of people say, that's what I want to do. But it's like they get frozen. Absolutely. Because it's an overwhelming thought. It is. I mean, that you know, for losing weight, I can say, okay, I want to lose weight. Okay, stop eating as much, do some exercise. That should be get it done. But getting financially fit can get very complicated. It can get, you know, to figure out the cart and the horse, you know, when it comes to financial fitness, is, it can be a little bit difficult. But I think one of the basic things that you can do uh, is to start by just taking an inventory of the things that you have. You know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, the electronic money and just, you know, things like that. Well, in today's world, how many of your statements are, are done electronically? How many things do you just log in? You don't even, somebody was talking to me about going to the bank the other day. And I started thinking, when was the last time I walked into a bank? You know, like it, it's been a minute. And so when you have accounts that are, you only log into via, you know, the internet and you don't really receive statements. You don't have these front of mind experiences. These with automatic your pays. I, yeah, I, auto I, pays. Did a, I do a list of all my automatic pays every December 
I, you know, that list is growing. It is. Oh, I mean, man. Th- and there's probably some things on there that you are paying for that you don't use. Oh, and man. They, you know, Absolutely. Are, are old, you know? Absolutely. And that's a problem for some people. It is. The, it, with this money kind of becomes this mysterious thing that's kind of out there in space. And, you know, back in the day, you, you remember your checkbook and you remember writing the check statement down and you would have to balance your checkbook. I mean, with things that are so electronic today, we kind of lose sight of just some of the things that we have and some of the things that we're spending money on. So one of the very first things you can do is just to try to organize and take an inventory of the things that you have going on in your life. Uh, We find clients have a spectrum of organization. You have people that kind of keep things in, you know, their kitchen drawer, you know, and maybe it's some in the kitchen drawer and some in their, you know, bedroom and some in the attic. And uh, then you have folks that are very, very, very organized. And so wherever you land, it is good to to just start by taking an inventory of the things that you have. All right, take an inventory, take a look at your checking, your savings, your 401k, all those things. Get a good handle on that. Scott, I know we talk a lot about that, and people struggle sometimes just moving through that process because of, I mean, I think Jason's saying it, just the reality that it's, in some people's minds, it's uh, overwhelming. It can be, and it's a lot of information sometimes to comb through, but I think, uh, you know, I, I always like to point out when we're talking that good decisions begin with cash flow, and, you know, as the year ends, we're getting ready to start a new year, it's a good time to look back over the past year and really see, you know, what you have coming in and what you have going out and where that money's going. So if we do that, getting started, Jacob, you're you're thinking through this process with clients about getting a well-rounded financial plan. So with the idea of getting started in this getting financially fit, how does that tie in to developing a well-rounded plan? I love the comparison of getting financially fit. So the, the entire time y'all have been conversating, I've been thinking back on how I would create an analogy to make this make sense to clients, right? So when, in high school, I was a football player, soccer player. I was a two-sport athlete. I'm assuming some people Don't in this believe room, it. I wasn't good, but I was. I mean, I participated. But there was mandatory workouts. And at one point, I was at my highest weight. I was working out, lifting my heaviest weight. And then I quit for a little while because I wasn't getting forced to do it, right? Well, as a... 30-something-year-old, I'm like, I need to get into the gym. I need to do something healthy. Well, I would go, and I would try to to pick up where I left off as a 19-year-old. And I would never go back to the gym <laughs> because I was so the sore. The pain was real, right? <laughs> yeah. And so the most successful way that I've been able to get back into a good, healthy workout regimen is to go in the gym, not to impress those around me, but just to get move me. And that way, the next day, I wouldn't be so sore. I was paralyzed. I was sore enough that I felt good about myself. Make some incremental progress. Correct. And then over the course of six, eight months, I started getting closer and closer and closer. And I started doing the things I wanted to do. It's the same with money. So many people try to right the ship instantly. Oh, yeah. Right. That's good. They try to go in. And in January, we are going to be eating rice and chicken breast and and, and no eating out. And blah, 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 blah. That's miserable. And so you just give up. (laughs) Right. And so what we have to do is, okay, in month one, we're going to do this very minor cash flow tweak that's going to, we're going to feel it a little bit, and then we're going to see how that feels and assess at the end of the next month. And over the course of a year, you can do a lot by just adding a little bit more. And so a lot of times whenever I'm counseling clients, there's certain clients that I meet with every quarter, and the conversation is nothing more than, how does your cash flow feel? 
Mm, that's good. Is there are we ta- are we re- removing too much? Are we trying to oversave, or do you miss it? Do you miss that five hundred dollars a month or whatever we end up? Okay, well if we don't miss it. Let's do more. Yeah. And so it's just a constant uh, lack of. I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this exactly. It's the intentionality of of assessing the plan every quarter, let's say, to make sure that you're doing more or less depending on your cash, your household needs. So what you've said, and I think is important, you've defined a goal. It, it may have a big, big goal that's 12 months, 18 months, 24 months out, but you've established also some little goals that build towards the big goal. If it's $100 a month and it's $100 more than you were doing last month, that's a start. And don't be ashamed of that. You, that's just the foundation to build on. No, we're not trying to impress anybody here. We're trying to get financially fit for ourselves, not for the people around us. I heard an old uh, mentor of mine that was with our company for years um, said, you know, many, many, many times when it comes to making progress financially, uh, you come to the decision crossroads of doing something versus just doing nothing. And the something can be relative to your comfort level, your understanding level. And I think those are real good points that Jacob's making. You know, I, I, what I remember in, in when you think through this, I've heard people come into the office, sit down, and, and they are doing what you're saying. They, they're they're going to get financially fit. They're going to stop spending money. And it's almost like a ball and chain. Yes. And I, I, I've seen them do this, and it's here's what I want to make sure everybody understands. This is a If you're going to look at it as a ball and chain, both people in the family, the adults in the family, must wear the ball and chain. This is not a ball and chain that you put on your spouse, right? And say we're going to okay, stop. We're going to stop spending money. Means right. she's going to stop. Gonna yeah, stop yeah, I get that. That don't work. Yeah. And that's what happens. I see that a lot. And then all of a sudden, you wonder why you know you're not saving that hundred dollars, Jacob. It was because one party is doing it, the other party is not. There's a there's a philosophy that I base my practice around and I, I learned it early and i learned it fast and i said this is this is important and it's the pay yourself first concept and i know this is rudimentary this is baseline but it's important so um most people don't realize that the 401k is one of the most successful investment platforms in the united states and it's not because they're awesome it's because you go in you check a box all of a sudden the drafts never make it to your checking account they disappear over in this investment account and then you get a quarterly statement you're like oh i saved money when did that happen right whoops well how can we replicate that outside of a 401k how how can you make money just never make it into your daily cash flow Pay yourself first before you get into car payment, before you get into the mortgage payment, before you get into credit cards, and all this other stuff. Pay that money to yourself for your future. And if you do that, you're going to be able to work into a very comfortable cash flow environment. That's very wise counsel. Jason, I, when, with Jacob's talking about that, I know you talk specifically, even though I know he's saying pay yourself first, but you really come in at, when you talk about getting financially fit is be sure you have an emergency fund. Yeah, absolutely. One of the basic, you know, Scott mentioned this earlier, one of the, and I tell this to clients and and they, and it's, it seems a bit like a, well, of course, that's a very logical statement. He said, you know, don't spend more than you make. Um, you know, if you're going to get financially fit, let's, then the first thing you have to do is start with that. Uh, the second thing you, you should do is, you know, save some money and just cash. And it's not, not, you're not necessarily worried about the rate of return on that money. You're not necessarily worried about the interest rate on that money. You're really worried more of, 
Is it there? Is it accessible? Uh, Is it available in moments and when events happen in life that exceed my current monthly cash flow? I think that is probably one of the things we see a lot of times people start that, you know, start a savings plan and then all of a sudden you get spent on furniture or vacations or things that are not emergency. Yeah, not necessarily an emergency, but I want to back. I like what Jason said about rate of returns. Not important because this is another mistake I see people make with the emergency fund is they have this money sitting there and it's not earning anything and they start thinking, wow, I should invest some of this money. And you got to go back and remember what's the purpose of that money. It's exactly what Jason described. It's it's to capture those or to take care of those unexpected life events that we don't know are going to happen, but we know are going to happen. We just don't know what they are. And, And that's that buffer so that you don't have to go into debt, so that you don't have to tap into your investments. So, uh... You know, this this is not about rate of return. This is about money that you can get your hands on. Oh, that's that's a great point. Not rate of return, but money that's accessible and that it's you can on it, demand. It, on demand, yeah. and you know, the air conditioner breaks or heater breaks or right. car tire or something. So, Jim, I think that's great. I think, and I think that's where most people's mind go to when they think of emergency alert. Like, fun is oh, X Y Z appliance has broken and I need money to fix it. And that's correct. I'm not saying it's incorrect, but I, I would challenge our listeners to to rethink, retool how they approach their emergency reserve and think about it like this. It's not to replace your dishwasher. It is, but it isn't. It's allow you the option to make a comfortable decision. That's a great point. That is all your emergency reserve is there to do is allow you the opportunity of time to think past just the emotional reaction and make a good decision because you have enough money to where you you can make that decision. That's a very, very good point. And I don't want to get ahead of this financial fitness. I mean, you know, uh, we talked about organization. We talked about, you know, building emergency reserve. Those are two, you know, basic core fundamentals. But we've kind of danced around this a little bit. But, you know, when you're looking to get financial fit, financially fit, um, you also need to have, we talked about the ball and chain and it, getting financial fit shouldn't be a burden. It shouldn't feel that way. It should have some excitement around it. And one way to generate that excitement is to think of, through a goal and a vision of where would you like to be 12 months from now. Um, and anytime you're setting objectives that are going to put you in a spot different from where you are today, it is healthy to look back and say, what were the behaviors and what were the decisions that we made in the past that might have prohibited us from moving forward toward our goal? Are there some life changes that we need to make? Are there some decisions we need to or should have thought through a little deeper? So don't miss the fact that part of this financially getting financially fit is to set a realistic, fun, exciting accomplishment that you can look back and say, we did it uh, 12 months from now. Yeah, I think that's important. I actually tell people sometimes too, you know, have a celebration. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is a, this is a, if you, if you've hit your objectives, great, then Go take a you know afternoon and go out to eat you know or something. Maybe do something a, to recognize, we recognize that we the did fact this. that you yeah. succeeded in doing something that you've not been able to do in the past. Absolutely, and, you know, kind of celebrate your small wins. You don't have to wait for the big win. You talked about it, Jacob, from a standpoint of quarterly looking at am I on track and what I'm trying to do. It's obviously, guys, we're missing one little formula part here. Discipline is key to this. 
And so if you've got to make sure that you sought wise counsel and as that counsel has given you, go back and check. And I, we talk about this a lot. Set some regular reviews to see how you're doing. Absolutely. And and I think, and, and I know, Jim, you've done this uh, a lot in your life, is is go away as a couple and really review what's happened over. And, hey, we're about to get to the end of the year and the beginning of a new one. It'd be a great time to do that. And sit down and, and, and review what's happened. Talk about those long-term goals, what we're trying to accomplish. Celebrate any accomplishments from the year. There there's, there may be a lot that you didn't get done, but I'm sure there are things that, that were done and, and celebrate those and really just plan out the next year and how we're going to use our money. You know, you mentioned that, and obviously I have to tell you, this morning we were talking earlier, actually earlier this week, and we just kind of mentioned it because obviously, you know, I've got Christmas and, you know, all those things. And And birthday. And birthday. (laughs) And and we were talking, and, and, you know, I said, you know, we got to go, and we, we actually set our time up in January where we will go away Sit down together and look at what we're trying to do because, you know, it's a moving target. And right. it's, it's, we do it. We've done it for 30, 40 years, and it's consistent. And it's kind of like when we get together, instead of having to spend the entire day doing it now, we're done in an hour. You know, right, it, because, right. But we spend the rest of the time enjoying wherever we've decided to go to, whether it's the— uh, you know, whatever. And uh, that's key. The fact of the matter is that in reality, you set these goals, you set these objectives, but life does not happen in a perfect straight line. Oh, you're uh, kidding. Yeah, I, I mean, it, you're going <laughs> to have bumps. But if you schedule, you know, I think about it a little bit like this. If I'm driving down Highway 40 uh, toward Nashville and I've got the steering wheel just a, just a smidge off a of center. I'm probably not going to notice that right away. But if I leave it there, at some point in time on that trip, I'm going to end up in the median and in a dangerous spot. But if ever so often I'm course correcting that steering wheel, I can stay on a straight line. So the more frequent your reviews are, you're going to be off. You're not going to, it's not going to walk down this, you know, straight, perfect plan. Things are going to happen. Life's going to deliver unexpected. Life never really ask you for permission prior to creating some sort of bump. It just does it. And then if you can review, you know, frequently, the more frequently you're addressing your goals, the easier it is to course correct. I think the the biggest takeaway is, is when it comes to money, it's, let's not just wing it, right? Yeah. Like ad living is for amateurs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, and I, I, we, we wing it in. So that's really good. Where'd you get that? Did I you learn that, that in New York? This crazy guy named uh, Jim Shoemaker. Oh. May have a couple, he I, may have said that I, to me I a couple times. I thought you might have picked that up in New York when, when I was you lived there. In business. No. Uh, I knew we were getting yeah. the show somehow. Oh, did you know I was from New York? Yeah. 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 I'm we, from New I'm York. I'm losing control. Did I tell that? Or did I ever have control? So there's a lot of acceptable ways to somewhat wing it in life. Like I'm raising two young children. I have no idea what I'm doing. But the greatest advice I got from my grandfather is God gives them to amateurs. And they like, I feel that. I don't know. I'm just trying to do the best that I can. Right. Well, that's because there's parenting books and stuff out there. But ultimately, at the end of the day, like it's a human. You're going to have to just kind of shake and jive with things. Finances is, is doesn't have to be that way. But why are we still just winging it? Why are we still just flying by the seat of our pants and just doing the best that we can and so it's not that hard to take the 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 freestyle out of it by saying this is something that i want to do and then it's more important that we accomplish this than having either a nicer vehicle or 
the Amazon daily packages, all those kind of things, something has to be more important to you than the $50 purchase that you're making over and over and over and over again that a death by a thousand cuts will eventually tear apart a financial. And so you many know, people wait. So many people try to make decisions based on, hey, it's going to be better. Like, I'm going to wait to make this decision today because it's going to be better in six months from now, and then we'll start making some And then the dishwasher goes out. Yeah, or, or, or I'm going to get a raise, and then we'll make, you know, financial decisions. Uh, you know, and it, it, the f- truth of the matter is if you don't learn how to do it now, then you're not going to do it then as well. That's a great point. Yeah, I, I I think all these are great points, and and I like I like the idea that that Jake was talking about about not winging it because you know I always think you know when it comes to spending decisions there there are professionals out there be it corporations financial institutions they have a plan every year they have an advertising plan and they're going to make you unhappy with your current situation so if you don't have a plan for how you're going to spend your money it's easy to fall prey for to a lot of that you know that's. Perfect. That's exactly, I think we've talked about, you know, literally four rules for borrowing. And we mentioned the fact that common sense is important, guaranteeing a way to repay. You need to make sure you've got that peace of mind and unity with your spouse. That's so critical. Guys, you've done a super job. I appreciate it. All the fun talk about gifts that we're going to do. And just call your wife right now and tell her that, you know, what you said and things like that. But I want to thank all of you guys. If you want to talk to any one of these guys, Jason, you know, Jason, Jacob, or Scott, I want to thank these guys. If you want to ask any questions to them, you can call Jason, Jacob, or Scott at 901-757-5757. You can find our show, Talk Money, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And you can always find the program on Newstalk98.9.com or Facebook or ShoemakerFinancial.com. Just click on Stay Connected. Next week, my guests, we're going to talk about Christmas memories from the family at Shoemaker. You don't want to miss that. That's always a well-listened-to show, and so much we appreciate them participating. That's Saturday morning at 7 a.m. and Sunday at 9 a.m. I want to thank our producer, Tyler. Appreciate you, son. Well, I just did a great job today. And Maximilian, guest and content coordination by Francis Fortner, production and marketing assistant, Lauren Norsworthy, and, of course, compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. I want to thank you for listening, and we're here for you each and every week, helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Helping you make the most of your money. This has been Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.